you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning, and welcome to our weekly parent call for the Sunrise Project. I am so happy you're here as always, and I hope that you find a moment with me uh, to find some solace and peace as we share and learn from one another in a safe space that's filled with love, compassion, and a desire to heal our families and ourselves. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I am so delighted this morning to welcome one of my dearest friends and mentors, Beverly Kearney, who is affectionately known as Coach Bev. I'm so thrilled that you're here this morning with us, Bev. I met Bev in 2007 when uh, my family was on a house hunting trip in Austin, Texas. I'll never forget. I was in the model home walking around and I was thinking to myself, (laughs) gosh, there's not a lot of diversity in this neighborhood. And I looked up and there was Bev and there was an immediate connection and this huge smile on Bev's face and this, hey, how are you? And we had such a wonderful divine energy in that moment. And we have been friends ever since. Very, very, very good friends ever since. Coach Bev is one of those rare visionary stars who believes that greatness exists within everyone. 
Her passion and her gift for coaching, consulting, and mentoring has inspired individuals and groups to achieve their greatest successes. Recognized as one of the most successful coaches in NCAA history, Bev has been inducted to various halls of fame as a sports legend, including the prestigious International Women's Sports Hall of Fame. Her record of seven national championships is one of the highest among African-American and female coaches in the country. She was also proudly, um, I remember this, a BET Honors recipient for the BET Legacy Award for Education, alongside the likes of Dr. Maya Angelou, Stevie Wonder, and the Tuskegee Airmen. She was also honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award from Auburn University, making it only the second time in history that a woman has received that award and the first African-American in history to receive that award. Women's Day Magazine has named her as one of the 50 women on a mission, along with such notables as Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Angelina Jolie. Coach Bev has served as head coach of the University of Texas and the University of Florida, as an assistant coach at the University of Tennessee, the University of T Toledo, and Indiana State University. The men and women she has coached throughout her 30-year career stand out as some of America's best athletes with over 15 Olympians and several world collegiate and American record holders. Her many accolades do little justice to her ability to strategically and purposefully motivate, empower, and coach others to turn their goals into gold. But what's most important is that Bev has a warm spirit and amazing ability to really uncover the challenges and the issues that we have and help us realize our goals and our dreams. She also has an incredible book called Believe It, Speak It, Do It, and I believe it is a must read for all of us. It's fantastic. And I urge you all to, to purchase that. So with no more conversation from me, I am delighted to turn it over to Bev Kearney. And again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. I am so excited and so honored to be here. I pray that everyone is enjoying a great weekend and very unpredictable times. And for a lot of you, your journey has been unpredictable as you began to deal and delve into the issues that you and that we all face. I would say this, uh, I am a coach. I'm not a life coach. What I consider myself as a consultant is a life strategist. My goal is to assist others in achieving whatever their, their, their desires are and sometimes helping them reconnect with what those desires are. But we all face challenges along the way. And me in particular, I used to sit down. I know there's a quote from Mother Teresa that says, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. I just wish he wouldn't have so much confidence in me and keep building on what I have to handle. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So with that being said, I've experienced 
a vast array of, of challenges throughout my journey. And, and at the end of it, which is what is in my book, at the end of every challenge or within every challenge, more than likely, I found a blessing or a blessing or both. Now, I used to sit down and I had a good talk with God and he, he's not listening yet. And I told God, I said, God, listen, I ain't got to always take the most difficult route. If you would just give me an easier way and tell me the answer, I promise I'll do it. But I think that the only way that we truly develop ourselves sometimes is by understanding and going through failures. We talk about success, but part of the process of being successful are the challenges and the obstacles. I had a young lady in college. No, but actually was a young man in college. Uh, recently asked me, he says, Coach, I heard it's lonely at the top. I said, absolutely. I said, because as we begin to climb that mountain, at the base of the mountain, it's more and more people. As we get closer to the peak, the terrain gets more difficult. The air gets a little thinner. And most people turn around because they haven't prepared themselves to handle the difficulty of the journey. Each of us is prepared for our particular journey. And with that in mind, I want to dove into just a few nuggets. First of all, from a scientific point, we're energy. We're energy because we're primarily water, and water is used to create energy. From a spiritual component, we are all energy. And there's a saying that I hold on to and I take very seriously, which is where my attention goes, my energy flows. Where my energy flows is where I produce from. With that in mind, each and every day we have 60, anywhere from 50 to 60, depending on who you talk to, anywhere from 50, I would say to 70,000 thoughts a day. And of those, we'll say 60,000 thoughts a day, 85% of them approximately are repetitive thoughts. Some even say 90%. So basically we have 10 to 15% of new thoughts a day. But most of those thoughts are just repetitive thoughts. What we thought about last night, we wake up and think about again this morning. What we thought about yesterday, we think about today. So it's imperative, not that we control our thoughts, but that we truly begin to manage them. Now, of those 80 to 90% of repetitive thoughts, it is said that about 80 to 90% of those thoughts are negative. If we can begin to shift how we view life, we can begin to shift our outcomes. I'll give you a for instance. My daughter, who I adopted after a serious car accident where her mother was killed, and I was left paralyzed and told I would not, not live again. But before I get to that, I was told while I was in the hospital that, one, they didn't think I would live. The thought never crossed my mind. Even if I lived, I would never walk again. And I was given approximately an 80% to 90% chance of never being able to walk again. And I remember being in rehab. I had gone from 140 pounds down to 90 and there was another lady in there, and she said to me, are you going to walk again? I said, absolutely. And she said, what did they say? I said, I don't know. Who are they? What did the doctors tell you? 
And I said that I would have a 10% to 20% chance of ever walking again. And I said, and I'm taking the 20, I'm taking the 10 and the 20. I said, what about you? She said, well, they said I had a, a great chance of walking again, but I don't know. And instinctively in that moment, I said something that I didn't know whether to regret or whether it would just is. I said, then you might want to get used to being in the wheelchair because ultimately you determine whether you get out of it or not. And in my lifetime, this is how I live my life. They could have told me I had a 1% chance of ever walking again, and I would have taken the 1% chance of walking. Why? Because I would rather run the risk of not walking again and being disappointed than to live a life knowing that I never took the chance. And so as I moved into life in my new circumstances, of course, I, 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 um, I beat the odds and I'm walking. But most importantly, it was the lesson of that moment. Because at one point, I'd had two major surgeries and, I had to, and they told me I had to give a third. And I was like, God, I'm done. I can't do another one. I can't go through that again. And I remember they rolled me down into the basement for testing. And there was nobody there. And they left me out in the hallway while the tech got the room prepared. And as I was sitting there and tears were rolling down my eyes, and I said, why have I been forsaken? Why am I having to go through this? And it came to me very clearly. Do you want to walk again? Absolutely. What are you willing to go through to get to what you so desire? And I said, anything. And then this is the path that's been chosen for you. And so I, by the time I got into the tech room, I was laughing and joking. And for the rest of my journey, I found humor and love. And everything became so much easier. So fast forward, as my daughter went through all of these challenges of having lost her mother at a young age, and there is some depression that runs into her genes, she began to be off kilter. And she began to, in my mind, contemplate suicide but I began in my mind to feel that I was being held hostage because I was afraid to correct. I was afraid to live. I was afraid to live alone. And finally I said to her when she was about 14 years old, I said, you got a choice. If you're going to live in this house, either you go to counseling or we'll have to find other arrangements because I don't want to be held emotionally hostage. I said, so either we have to get help to get you some balance because I can't live like this. And she finally said to me, she says, I need help. So we got her in counseling and it's been a journey. She's the sweetest person outside the house. And sometimes in the house, she was the meanest. And the up and down began to happen. And finally, I said to myself, as I, you know, because I'm a studier of life. Always have been. I studied everything from military to spiritual, different religions. I wanted to know how can I be of benefit to people throughout my journey. And I ran across this thing while I was in the hospital called the law of attraction. And I began to understand that law. And I began to study that law. And it wasn't the secret. It was so much deeper. 
And it was so much more empowering because at some point when she was about 16 or 17, I decided that no matter how unhappy she was, I would no longer be unhappy. I would no longer give the power of my happiness to someone else. And thus, I became a mirror to her as opposed to her become a controller of me. Meaning that I have a choice. And I'll I'll say it like this. Each of us is given this powerful little small entity, and I have it in my hand right now. It's I what I use. You know, you can put your palm out, and there's a I have a little crystal. It's all ragged and, and and but it's a crystal. It's very small, and I put it in the palm of my hand whenever I'm challenged, and I said I get to decide what to do with this crystal today. I get to decide to do with this stone today. I can either put it in my shoe or I can toss it into the pond of possibilities of life and allow the ripple effects to keep producing. The easiest thing for me to do was to put it in my shoe. I could always see what she was doing that was bothering me. I could always see what she was doing that was destructive to her. That's putting the pebble in my shoe. I don't want to tie my energy to her failure. One of the things I've always said as a physical coach is, if I can't do good, let me do no harm. That I don't want to be a hindrance to anybody's journey. Therefore, I had to teach myself as a coach because I've coached some very challenging people. Like there are are very few people I've ever met that I've considered closer to evil than good, closer to malevolent than benevolent. But there are a few that I have. And one of the hardest challenges I had as a coach was finding something good in them. Because I realized if I don't find something good, it's hard for me to love them. And if I truly can't find the love in that moment, I can't help them. Because everything we do must be done in love. And for me, this stone is our thoughts because the order of life is thought, word, deed. Our thoughts are our beliefs. It's our faith. It's what every point of origin for everything that's ever happened in this lifetime to come from. It's all initiated as simply a thought. Then our words begin to validate those thoughts, which moves that thought into the faith realm. And then our thoughts and our words create our actions. But everything originates. It's not word, deed, thought. It's thought, word, deed. So that's when I started to understand the true power of my thoughts. So I began to think of her as this beautiful, wonderful person. And no matter what she did, I would tell her just those words. I said, you're very intelligent. And then I began to say, I can't tell her what to do. I can plant seeds. Now, here's the difference with planting a seed. Once I could get my thoughts about her altered, I began to throw the, pump, the, the, the pebble into the pond. I took it out of my shoe because I got tired of walking around just being miserable, expecting someone else to change so that I can feel better, so that life could be better. I began to have good thoughts about her. No matter what the behavior was, I would always try to find something positive. Even if I didn't verbalize it, I had to know I had to think it. Because 
a pattern had had erupted, an unknowing pattern, an expected pattern, which is they do something terrible. (laughs) I think how bad that is. And why are you doing this? And so I had to change that. I had to hold the course on my thoughts because that's the only thing I could control. And as I began to have these positive thoughts, it took a while, but gradually I was able to plant seeds. Now, now granted, when you plant a seed in a person, we can't plant with expectations. If I say this, then they gonna understand. Because now we're not just planting seeds, we're trying to control when and how they grow. We're not allowing of nature and God to, uh, to, to harvest that seed. I know that if I plant an, an apple seed, I'm going to get apple trees. I know if I plant good thoughts and good words, and I know if I can mimic the very behavior that is going to be most beneficial to someone else's journey, I know I've planted that great seed, but I've got to be allowing of the universe and that person's commitment with that universe, because everyone has a different commitment and a different timeline that eventually it would grow. I'll put that in athletic terms. In athletic terms, that means I can teach you what it takes to be great. I can believe in you. And some people will pick that up and in one year, they're national champions. I had one girl that never did anything for three years. And people kept saying, why do you keep pouring into them? I said, because whether she achieves anything or not, I have to look myself in the mirror and decide if I was a part of her success or if I gave into her desire to fail. So one day I told her, she said to me, she said, Coach, I just am not that good, and I don't know why you can't see it. And I finally said to her, I said, listen, I'm accepting of the fact that you've decided to fail, but I would fail you if I believed anything other than your truth, which is you're extremely talented. And whether you ever do it or not, it doesn't take that away that you are. And within her senior year, she went undefeated, got a contract, and then went on in life to be very successful. We don't know when that moment is for someone else. All we are and have the authority to do is to have as positive a thought as we can about ourselves and the individuals around us. Always try to see the good, because there is good. And faith is seeing what isn't there yet. That's faith. We may not see it right away, but I know every day that I contributed something positive to her journey. And eventually, she began to mimic the behavior. She's doing really well right now. I wish I could tell you she didn't smoke weed, but she doesn't smoke it recreational anymore. She isn't consumed by it. She's taking classes online, and occasionally she'll drop the course, and I want to say... Well, you ain't going to never graduate to keep dropping courses. (laughs) She'll always tell me what she don't like because they become experts at what they don't like in everything and everybody else. And I have to keep telling myself, don't participate. Because I really be sometimes we want to say, but I don't like your attitude. But I can't. And I said, and I will tell her about someone else or something else 
what I need her to know, because a lot of times what we see in others is what we possess in ourselves. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And so I plant seeds in every circumstances, in every situation, in every opportunity I can. And then I had to learn to walk away from the seed because I was the one of those original idiots that would sit there and wait and say, okay, 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 okay. It's getting ready to, Ooh, it's about to change. Ooh, it's about to get better. No, I finally had to decide that my only job is to continue to love and to plant seeds and to be an example of the love and the joy that life has to offer. So I don't know what your individual stories and your individual's journeys are. But I do know one thing, and I know this, not I think it, not that I just feel it, but I know this, is that each of us wakes up with pebbles. And with each individual pebbles, we get to decide what we do with that experience in life and that, that, that moment in life. And we can decide to be the pebble in the shoe on a long hike, or we can decide to be the pebble that, that creates the positive ripples in life. And even when the ripples above the surface, we can't see anymore. We have to have faith that as that pebble drops to the bottom of the water, it continues to vibrate underneath the water and create. And with that, you know, they said that there's this one saying that says, with power comes great responsibility. The power of our thoughts I had to take responsibility for them. If I don't like like my outcome, I had to then begin to really challenge myself to examine what my thought processes are, what created my words, what created my actions. And therefore, I've always had control of my outcome, which means I've never blamed anyone. I've always taken ownership. I don't even blame myself. Because mistakes are to be corrected. If I don't like a thought, I can change it. If a negative thought comes up, I get to decide whether to entertain it. There's that thing where you don't get to decide who knocks on your door, but you sure get to decide whether you let them in the house. So I had to make a decision. And sometimes I will go back to my old ways and I will entertain the heck out of a thought. I will create all kinds of scenarios in my head until I don't like it anymore. And then I'll say enough because it doesn't make me feel good and it doesn't benefit anyone else. And the one thing, as I said, that I have determined to be is I want to be, if I can't enhance a journey, I definitely don't want to hurt it. And we think of hurting someone else's journey as simply what we do or what we say by our words. But what we do and what we say originates from one point of origin, which is the thought. Once I improve and focus on managing my thoughts, I don't have to worry so much about my words and actions. So with that, Kelly, I hope that something that I've said has empowered 
everyone, because I, I would say one more thing. I, I had an older woman who I was consulting with tell me she had a gift. And I said, really? And she said, yes. And I don't understand why people don't understand the value of my gift. And I said, well, what is your gift? And she said, I can see what's wrong and see what people need to do. I said, oh, <laughs> I said, that's, that's not a gift that I hope I ever have. I said, because I definitely don't want to see the negative in everyone else. I said, your gift is when you get beyond that and you begin to see the good in everybody else, the greatness of everybody else's journey and how to assist them in getting there. I don't care where we are on our journey. That's not important. What's important is where are we going? What is your goals? Is your goals to change someone else's behavior or change someone's behavior so everyone can be happy? Mm. I think that is so powerful, Bev, as you were talking. I was like, ooh, she is has been living in my house. Because one of the things you said that really struck a chord with me, several things, and I want to open it up to um, there are guests this today. But when you said about your daughter, she could be the sweetest person outside the house and the meanest person in the house, I would say the same thing. It's not, not necessarily mean, but defiant and out of control. I you know, about it's, it the um, same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, what's so powerful, and we've had this conversation on some other calls as well, is the point about finding love. Uh, you talked about that with your surgeries, you know, and the rest of your journey, finding love and planting seeds and that unconditional love when you really don't like the person anymore. It's really challenging, but I think that's so critically important. And I have seen success with that actually over the last several weeks. Um, and then looking at Kelly, the small would, ones, but that's so I important. I would challenge so each of you. Mm -hmm. I would challenge each of you, which I've already challenged myself, and I try not to use these two words, like and dislike. What is beneficial and what is not beneficial to our journey? Like and dislike carries a very deep-rooted mem um, memory of life, a pattern of life. We grew up with like and dislike, and sometimes those things apply to us, so it has a very depth of meaning that it's harder to overcome. Is this beneficial? Is it not? And just choose to do what is, what is beneficial to your journey. And, and what is beneficial is whatever benefits your, your vision. If getting mad at a behavior creates the negative energy you don't want, then you've got to begin to stop being mad about the behavior because we give our power away when we give other people the power to decide for us. And they began to manipulate us because they know how to ask. I had to, the hardest part was stop reacting. Yes. Stop convincing. You'll figure this out. I know you're smart enough. Wow. You did that. I said, wow, that took some ingenuity and I'll find a way to weave her next step in a casual conversation. It's the patience of planting the seed because mm -hmm. they've become masters at checkers, meaning I'm going to do this and they're going to, they already know when I move here, you're going to move there. 
So it's action and reaction. That's what they're seeking. Chest is, you may make this move, but I got a move that's going to benefit me four or five moves down the road. And we've got to learn to stop reacting and mm-hmm. respond because our, 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 our initial creation is a reaction. And they know that, which is why they produce the action to get the reaction, to get what they want. Mm-hmm. Once I stop playing checkers, they don't put the energy in there to play chess. So they have no clue. Mm-hmm. But as long as they can get you to react, and as long as you can distinguish between what you like and dislike, I guarantee you, every time you don't like something, it creates a reaction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can walk away from what doesn't benefit me, but I'm going to react to what I don't like. And that's what that's the manipulation, is to get you to react, to get you to be something that you don't desire. So I apologize for interrupting. Oh, no, that was fantastic. Perfect. And I I would like to, at this point, ask if anybody has a question or a comment, feel free. And I would like to just open up the floor for anybody who would like to comment or ask a question of Coach Beth. Good morning. And uh, hi, I just want to, uh, I want to thank Coach Beth. And I also want to say, you know, praise God that you have, that you have allowed him to show you how you can be a blessing to others. Uh, Many of us have that opportunity and we don't always adhere to it or Mm -hmm. allow the Holy Spirit to guide our life. But obviously I don't know you, but it appears that you have taken um, time in your life to assess who you are in God's eyes. And I just love hearing that in another human being. And you had me working so hard during this call because I had to type notes in my phone when you said where my attention goes, my energy flows. And I'm 59, so I'm typing hard. I'm like, I got to type, I got to listen, but I got to get this down because these are important. And what also resonated with me was when you said you don't get to decide who knocks on your door, but you do get to decide who comes in your house. That is such a profound statement because what I have found in my life is that when I give energy and control to someone else, just like when Jesus' disciples could walk on water because they kept their eyes on Jesus, but once they took their eyes off of Jesus and gave into the fear, they became afraid. So I want to buy your book because I have so enjoyed what you shared this morning and it has been so beneficial. Thank you for sharing of yourself. And that was my only comment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for blessing thank me. You. With that. And thank you for sharing. Does anyone else like would like to uh, comment or ask a question? Good morning, Bev. It's good to hear your voice. Um, I just wanted to know if you could speak a little bit today about, about self-talk and how it can derail you and I mean it may or may not actually apply to parenting or maybe it does but um, just in the space of of keeping certainly you know when I read a book or when I'm listening to a call like this or I'm listening to one of my favorite gurus then or reading the bible or scripture I'm in the moment I'm definitely like yes yes this is this is all of what I need this is 
you know, nourishing my soul, my spirit, and what I need to, to move forward. But throughout the day, as you were saying earlier, the negative thoughts, you know, can take over and the self-talk about not being good enough or worrying about, you know, nervous about not showing up and am I doing this right? I just wanted to know if there's anything that you can talk about about how you snap back into out of that self-talk and into self-talk that's more gentle on yourself. Thank you for that question. It's a very, very good question. The most difficult thing that we face, especially in this particular time, um, the biggest challenge that we face is alone time. With the pandemic, the reason that you're seeing an uptick on negative behaviors and even defiance is simply because we've spent most of our lives avoiding ourselves. So if I'm starting to think I'm going to go shopping or if my business is doing well and I'm making money, I can go shopping, which means I don't have to sit down and think, well, as the world began to shut down, people found themselves alone with themselves for the first time and no outlet to run away. And at that point, you either have to flee or fight, and there's nowhere to flee anymore. So we have to begin to fight for our own internal sanity. And by that, I mean is this. When I think about the past, sometimes I, I think about what, I don't, what the mistakes I've made and how my life could be better now. That's not beneficial. When I think about the future, I worry about what's going to happen. That's not beneficial. Where peace presides, where it persists, where it is most powerful, is my present. In this moment, at this point in time, all is well. I don't need to look back. I don't need to look forward. If I can stay present, I'm going to do well. The second thing is you can't produce in the future what I think, what I say, What I do in this moment creates my future. I tell people this all the time, which is what I have, what I've been blessed to do. I've always looked at my experiences and rehoused them in a way that benefited my journey. We can't control our experiences, but we do get to decide how we utilize that life experience in that circumstance. So being very present. The second part of that is I'm human. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up. I'm going to do things. I'm going to say things. I'm going to think things that are truly not beneficial. It ain't beneficial to me, and it may not be beneficial to somebody else. But what that God thing does, it allows us to feel it and say, oh, this ain't good. And at that point, I get to decide. We are hardest on ourselves because in the past, every time we make a mistake, somebody chastises us. So we've begun to chastise others from a mistake. And more, most importantly, the people that we are most brutal on is ourselves. I used to tell people that I consult with is, please leave my friend alone. She's a good person. He's a good guy. And they said, what do you mean? I said, you are bothering you and beating you up and I don't like it. So we must begin to lovingly self-correct, meaning that, oops, my bad. And see, that's the benefit of God is that when we think of it from we're the only species who continues to punish ourselves for bad thoughts or bad 
our, our bad actions, every, everything else that moves on this earth moves on. It, that they don't sit around and have conversations about what you did or what you thought and how that impacted us. They simply, they, they just move forward. I watched two ducks in a pond get in a fight. It was the funniest fight ever. And then after a few minutes of uncomfortable fighting, they moved on. And I sat there and watched those ducks float harmoniously in the water. And I think to myself, we've got to learn to lovingly forgive ourselves. That's why I said I don't want you to control your thoughts. Just manage them. The best leadership is the leader who is a servant warrior, meaning that I am here to assist and to serve others on their journey, to bring out the best in them so that we can all be the best. But I am a warrior, meaning that I am going to fight to do what benefits all. That is the sign of it. That is the humility and, and, and the confidence to move forward. So be a servant warrior to yourself, meaning that be gentle and loving with yourself, but also be determined. Have the courage to continue that no matter how many times you fall down, you get up. And the one thing I, lo- I love babies, I love kids, is that no matter how many times they fall down, they do what? They get back up. They don't sit there and say, well, shoot, I feel hard that time. I don't know if I'm going to get up. And they probably disappointed in me that I keep falling down. Therefore, I'm just going to stay my butt down here. And then at, at six and seven, you mad because they still crawling. No, they don't think like that. They don't even think our mistakes become more, more damaging because we begin to think what other people may think about us more than we think about ourselves. And so what I would say to you is it's not embarrassing that you have a child that is challenging. Why? Because everybody's faced it in some form or fashion. Some people are greater at masking it. But anytime you're trying to manage someone that has the ability to think for themselves, it's a challenge. Definitely if you're trying to control. So don't try to control yourself, manage yourself. Don't try to control the people around you. Manage the people around you. But do it all in love. But most importantly, do that loving guidance to yourselves. Be forgiving of the fact that, no, a couple of times I would envision slapping my daughter. There were times when I can't wait to she go out in the real world. And now that she's out there, I pray that she is able to overcome every challenge that life will present. I hope that every seed I've planted benefits her. And thus far it has. She's gone through the challenges, but she communicates now. She calls every day, but that didn't happen overnight. I've grown, but that didn't happen overnight. If I beat myself up, I sent out a damaged product to produce, and that's not beneficial. And I had to learn to love me first. So I would say challenge yourself to lovingly self-correct, but definitely self-correct what you don't like, what doesn't benefit you. If a thought, and how can you tell, if a thought doesn't make you smile, it ain't beneficial. That's what I would suggest. Love that. Hope that helps. Thank you. Thanks, Beth. I love that. If a thought does not make you smile, it's not beneficial. That's so awesome. Any other comments or thoughts? Hi, Beth. You are just fantastic and just 
so thoughtful and insightful. I appreciate you. Can you talk a little bit about the pain and um, the pressure and the pain that you must have felt going through surgeries, going through therapy, and, you know, what was it that was able to push you through that? What What's my guiding force is, is that it's safe. It's knowing, you know, there's hope, which is the basic bottom line. Hope is one step up from hopeless. I kind of ever say, I hope you have a good day. That means that you got a greater possibility of having a bad day than a good day. So I'm just hoping that it work out for you today. No, I try not to use that word. I hope you, I pray that you have a blessed day. I pray that you have a blessed day. I know you're going to have a great day. You know, and, and, and so I had to learn throughout my journey to embrace the pain. When I was in the hospital, I, for those that don't know, I went through a horrific accident, was thrown over 50 feet from a vehicle on an interstate from a back seat. And they thought I wouldn't live. I broke my vertebrae. I was swollen from, from head to toe. I went through a very horrific time. And in the hospital, I was there for months. I wasn't myself. By the time five o'clock rolled around all every day, I became a zombie. I couldn't eat. I dropped weight. I got quarantined, went quarantined from contamination during my one of the surgeries. And one night I was in the room and they and I made them decorate my room to look like a, a apartment because I didn't want to be in the hospital. And I was sitting there and I said, you know, I'm going to stand up at Texas Relays. And when no one interrupts that thought, it becomes real. And I just kept thinking about it. And I was getting all excited to a point where I stayed up all night and I waited for the nursing shift to come in. And when my morning nurse came in and he was my favorite, I said, you know what? I'm standing, I'm, I'm going to be standing at Texas Relays. And everybody that came in the room, I told them that. And then there's, you know, you always have the Grinch. And so I told the Grinch, who's, who was the head nurse, I said, I'm going to be standing at Texas Relays. And I heard her tell the other nurse as they were walking out, her ass may need to learn how to roll over before she talk about standing up. Because I couldn't even roll over. Like, they would come in and toss me back and forth just so I wouldn't get bed to us. But the thought never got interrupted. And I had a month to do it in. And I stood at Texas Relays. And I wow. say that to say... During that process of figuring that out, I realized I had to get off the pain medication. I was on so much medication, I couldn't function. So I called an athletic trainer, a a friend of mine, and I called in my nurse, the nurse that I really loved, that believed in me no matter what, who would always whisper to me, that's not true. You can do it. That's not true. You could do it. Because I was told everything I couldn't do. Because they're more concerned that you not being disappointed than you being well. So anyway, I looked at, I was on antidepressants and I was on sedatives, which to me, those countered each other. And I looked at, and I said, tell me the, the painkillers I'm on. And I got off most of the, med- I demanded to be off the medication and I got off the pain medication. And the first cycle of getting off the pain medication in the hospital the broken back and open wounds, they tried to move me and I blacked out from the pain. And then as the nerves in my leg began to generate, the pain was excruciating and unrelenting to a point where I developed a stutter. 
And one of the nurses came in, my, one of my night nurses came in with tears in her eyes. And she said to me, you should get back on the pain. Why are you? I said, because I'm, I, they told me I was paralyzed. And as long as I can feel something, I know that I can. And eventually the pain began to disseminate. I'm not saying that works for everyone, but what I'm saying is we, that is the power of the internal mind. When what you desire becomes greater than what you fear, that's when you succeed. Doesn't mean I'm void of fear. It means that what I desired was greater than what I feared. That's when I regained the power. And knowing that I was never alone on that journey through my faith gave me the courage to move through it. And no matter what that journey is, whether you're going through a psychological challenge in your family, whether it is a physical ailment, whatever that challenge is, just know that you're not alone, that you can plant a seed of thought and there's a greater universe out there. There's a greater entity out there that's going to harvest that seed. But we can't keep planting lemon seeds and, and, and waiting for the oranges to, to, to blossom. And so prayerfully, that, that, that gives you some insight. That was powerful. Thank you. Thank you. And as far as the disability is concerned, when I walked into the coaching arena, I did not walk in as an African-American. I didn't walk in as a, as a, as a female I didn't walk in because I started coaching at the collegiate level when I was 22 years old. I walked in as a coach. When I walk into a room, I don't remember I'm disabled. When I went through my journey, there are things that I wanted to do. I had to figure out how to use. I, I didn't have the energy anymore. I still don't have it. I haven't had it since 2003. So I had to decide how I could best use my energy to get what I needed to get done and other things I had to let go. My sister, who was able-bodied, who took care of me when I first got at a hospital, now she's from Mississippi, y'all, and, 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 and she goes out in the garage and she drinks every day when she's done with me. So she got some, so, so that tells you who my sister is. Finally, we were going everywhere. She had to drive me everywhere, fly with me everywhere. She finally looked at me one day. She said, I'm going home. You're the busiest crippled person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and she left me. She said, I can't keep up with you. So all I can tell y'all is what we're faced with does not determine what we do. Is what we do determines who we are. So I have never allowed what I can't do to impede what I desire to do. I just have to find another way. I have to be more, more thought provoking. I know I got so much energy. So what am I going to use it for today? Cause when it run out, it runs out. <laughs> so that's always been like my, uh, my motto in life. So when I see that, I, I have such admiration and I have a nephew that is quadriplegic. From his freshman year in college, he was a basketball star, 6'4". And he got himself in college. He designed, he, he, he just does amazing things from a nursing care center his whole life since he was 18 years old. 
And he and I asked him about it. And you know what he said to me? He said, the moment I realized I would never move anything on my body again, I decided that it that this is what I'm left with. What am I going to do? And he always has a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And it was his face that got him there. And he said, Auntie, you don't have to worry about me dying before my time. I said, oh, okay. He said, because there's something in in this God universe that won't let me die no matter how often they predict it. And he's 40-something years old right now. Mm-hmm. So I always look back on other journeys and say, it ain't that bad. Mm-hmm. Every now and then I want to go for a jog, I get on my scooter and go for a ride. There's always a way around <laughs> whatever it is that we're challenged with. So that that is it. So blessings to 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 everyone on this call because I just wish the best for you because I know the best is there for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this morning, Bev. You've been um, tremendously helpful and appreciate your words of wisdom and, and your time this morning. So thank you for being here and thank you for being such a blessing to me and to all of us. And Kelly Chapman is going to close us out with a prayer. Yes, thank you again, Bev. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come together on our sunrise call this morning. Lord, we are so grateful for how you orchestrated Kelly and Bev's connection. You knew that today would happen, God, and your works are marvelous. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. Your understanding is beyond measure. We know, God, that you entrusted us with this journey and challenge because you know your power within us is enough to sustain us. Therefore, we direct our thoughts and our hopes to you, God. Remind us to think on good things. Give us patience like Bev to continue to have patience and hope in our children. Despite what we see, our pain, and what we experience in this very moment, we choose not to give up. We fix our hearts and minds on you in faith, knowing that we cannot please you without faith. Help us to say it will be well at all times, no matter what the challenge, it will be well. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You said in your word, therefore, encourage and build one another up just as you are already doing. We will continue to remind one another to think on the things that are lovely and good, to love one another, to love our children, and to love ourselves. We are reminded today by Bev to plant good thoughts and seeds, and we trust you, God, to help those seeds bloom and blossom. Finally, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful week. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. 
Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.